Well, um, it's always a joy to introduce Bob Harrison to you. He has uh, blessed us as a family, as a church family. Uh, we love him as a brother in Christ. He always brings a timely message. It's always challenging to us all. I'm going to ask you to stand up, put your hands together, and welcome Bob Harrison. Can you do that right now? place was Tokyo, Japan. The date, November the 11th, 1990. The event, a heavyweight fight between reigning champion Mike Tyson and challenger Buster Douglas. For Tyson, it was a warm-up fight, getting ready to defend his title with Evander Holofield. For Douglas, it was an opportunity to make a name for himself. Tyson entered that fight, having fought 37 previous fights undefeated. 33 of his 37 previous bouts, he won by knockouts. Douglas had already lost four fights. The odds of, in Las Vegas, of Michael Douglas winning that fight were 42 to 1. Let me quantify that for you. That means if you would have bet $2,500 that Douglas was going to win, and he won, your payout on a $2,500 bet would have been over $100,000. Actually, a Douglas lasted longer than most people expected. He made it to the eighth round. But finally, Tyson knocked him down on the canvas, and it looked like the fight was over. The referee goes and begins the count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But before he could get to ten, Douglas staggers to his feet. He's in a daze. Tyson sees this as an opportunity to finish the fight. He rolls over to do the final punch, but before he can get to him, the bell sounds. Ends the round. Douglas came back out to the ring that next round. He was like a different person. He had energy. He had focus. He had vibrancy. He was swinging and he knocked out Tyson and won that fight. To this day, that fight goes down as one of the greatest upsets in sports history. After the fight, a reporter was interviewing Douglas, and he asked him, how did you become a person that was flat on your back of the canvas facing certain defeat? Came back the next round with all this energy and this focus and this vibrancy to win. What happened between the two rounds? And in summary, this is what he said. 
He said, my mother was my biggest fan. My mother helped me develop my career and would take me to the gyms and paid for trainers. And my mother was going to be at this fight. But my mom died three weeks ago. But on her deathbed, my mom said to me, son, win this fight for me. Michael Douglas won the fight that night for one reason and one reason only. Well, flat on his back on his canvas, on the canvas facing certain defeat, he discovered a why, a why to get back up, a why to fight again. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the importance of discovering your why and how when you discover your why, it can give you focus, it can give you energy, and it can make this year be the greatest year that you've ever experienced. In our seminars, I teach on why. I teach that one of the keys to an effective leader is he's always asking why. He's questioning, why do I feel this way? Why do I act this way? Why did I do this? Why do we have this program? Why, why, why? Because if, if you're not always asking why, you get left in the past. Uh, an example of using why in leadership uh, happened to me several years ago now. Uh, my wife and I were over at a resort in Hawaii the week before we put on our annual Hawaii event. And uh, let me just mention to you, if you're a leader, business owner, and you're looking for a function that could radically change your life and take you to another level, uh, we do them every March. It's going to be a month from now. And uh, we have brochures back on the table. We're not trying to sign up people because we sell out. But it, we want the right people there. But we went over there early to uh, uh, just rest before the event took place. And uh, my stepdaughter, Julianne, introduced us to this young man that uh, she had met at a youth camp in, uh, in a summer in Kentucky. And I got to visit with Adam and found out that he and a few of his friends decided that there was a demand in Hawaii for uh, uh, young people doing bluegrass music. And so they saved up and bought tickets and came over there to launch this new career thing. And well, quite frankly, uh, it wasn't working out because they found out there wasn't a demand for young people doing bluegrass music there. <laughs> and they were living in a tent and just really struggling. And so I found out Adam had tech skills. So I said, Adam, why don't you come over to the event and, and help me out next week and I'll give you some money for doing that. He said, okay. And I was so impressed with Adam because he, he had such a good work ethic. He wasn't trying to escape the ballroom and go to the beach, but always trying to do more. And and And... And so I, at the end of the week, I said, Adam, I said, listen, if this singing thing doesn't work out for you uh, and playing the drums, I said, uh, give me a call. You got a job at my ministry. He said, what would I do? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't have an opening right now, but it's easier for me to fill an opening than it is to find a great person. So I'll get you a job. So a few months later, Adam came to work for us and uh, Again, that skill came out, and he began to start doing maintenance and, and duplicating CDs, and he rose up until he became my ballroom manager at our events. And on the third day of our California event, I walked over to Adam, and I said, Adam, today I want you to do something different. 
get somebody else to do your normal ballroom responsibilities. I just want you to walk with me wherever I go in the ballroom. I want you to hear what I say. I want you to see what I do. And if you don't understand why I'm saying something or doing something, I want you to ask me why. He said, well, why do you want me to do that? I said, because Adam, you've gone as high as you can go in this organization knowing the what's. You can only go higher if you know the why's. See, the person who knows how will normally have a job. The person who knows why will normally be the boss or the owner. Because if you know how to do something, you have a set of skills that as long as that skill is in demand, you have financial remuneration. But if you know the why, you can take and apply the skills into other areas. You can uh, take the place of leadership of the person above you. But today, I don't want to talk to you about the why in the business arena. I want to talk to you about the why in life. Why God wants you to have increase. And I believe today some of you are going to get all of something that's going to give you that fresh momentum. But before we get into teaching, I just want to say it's great to be back with you again. I love this church. I drive around on my convertible playing your music, so I'm with you all the time. <laughs> and and uh, that's how come I got a little red. It's getting sunnier out there now in Palm Springs area. But, but, and, and I love your pastors. Oh, my God. Goodness, every time I'm with them, I just take notes, and they're so rich of so much, so much material in their background. My goodness, the excellence that's here. I, I just hope you appreciate the greatness that God has placed here, and I'm not just saying this. I mean, it's amazing. I would not have to meet them, and I would know they're amazing. Just as a speaker, being backstage, being introduced and taken care of by their people, and I see the greatness in the people, I know that's a reflection of the heads. And, and, but not only that, just the love and the compassion. When we're with them, they're talking about their people. They're talking about the testimonies of people whose lives are being changed. There's, there's a love to them. It's not just a program. Uh, I'll share a little inside thing with you. Um, Pastor Phil was on a panel that uh, we had at our California event last November in uh, Palm Springs area. And uh, so we're doing a Q&A at the luncheon, and different leaders are asking us questions. And this 10-year-old girl was there with her parents, and she raises her hand and asks a question. Now, you've got all these business leaders, and your focus could be on that, you know, because that's what you're there for. And all of a sudden, pastor sees this 10-year-old girl there raising her hand, and she asks her question, and it was a good question. And he says, what's your name? And she says, my name is Miracle. He says, Miracle, come on up here. I want you to sit with me. And he invites her up there, and he answers her question in person and has a conversation with her. Stopped everything because she was so important. That's what I'm talking about, that love that they have. Thank you. Thank you so much. You too. So, uh, again, I just love being with you. Uh, so, I teach in a subject called increase. I think it's important to define what increase is. Because I could say a word and it could have a different meaning to different people. The word increase to you can mean different word than increase to you. Uh, for instance, if we could put the uh, uh, picture of that pickup truck on, on the screen. I know I'm jumping a little bit, but find it. Reserve for green vehicles. There's a green vehicle. 
So the same word had a different meaning. So, so what, does, what does increase mean? First of all, let me say increase is not a teaching about getting and making more money. Although normally people that get a hold of this teaching and get it down on the inside of them, it does affect them financially. I was just three weeks ago in Phoenix with a young man in his mid-30s. And he got a, got a hold of this teaching and decided instead of becoming a drywall installer, he would start his own company. That was 2008. He started from scratch. He took me to their new warehouse and asked me to pray a dedicated pray, dedication prayer three weeks ago. They're now doing $10 million in volume each year. So it does affect people financially. But it's not just about finances. It's every other area of their life. Because see, when you begin to think differently, you feel differently, and you react differently. And the problem is most people have been programmed by scarcity and lack thinking and barely get along, and I'm not going to have enough, and how do I make it? Fix pie thinking, as Stephen Covey once said. But if we can break that and in this place bring an increased thinking, all of a sudden they can hear the same words and see the same sights, but they begin to have a different feeling, a different response because of it. And their lives just take on a whole different dimension. Initially, it's a, it's a process where, where we literally force ourselves and, and, and literally go through this change, and it's not easy. But we get to the point now we start to see and hear differently. Then we get beyond that, an increase actually begins to chase us. Uh, just a little example, crazy one. Yesterday, uh, when, when I come out to the county or go to L.A., oftentimes uh, I don't like to bring the Bentley out because I don't want to put miles on it, so I rent a car. So I made reservations to get a premium car from Enterprise uh, at the hotel right near where we live. And so I, I go over there, and they say, I'm sorry, sir. Oh, first of all, a full-size car was $76 a day. So normally you say, okay, that's great. I can do a full-size car. I always look above that because sometimes you can find a deal, and why have a full-size if you can have better? And they offered a luxury car for $86. For $10 difference, I'm going to drive a luxury car. That's increased thinking. Because I'll feel different. It'll be an easier ride. It'll be better for me. So I upgrade to the luxury car. I get to the car rental place, and they say, I'm sorry, sir, but we're out of luxury cars. We're going to have to give you instead a Maserati. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Those kind of things happen to an increased person. Or, or another example, last August... Uh, I'm speaking for John Bevere at his leadership conference on a Saturday morning. And uh, so I'm scheduled to fly out on Friday afternoon. And uh, John calls me and says, Bob, because they're, they're just such generous people. He said, Bob, he said, I just want you to come in a day earlier. And we're going to pay for you to just enjoy a day at the Broadmoor Resort and go to the spa and just have a time relaxing here in Colorado Springs. So I changed my reservation to come out on Thursday. I go out to the Palm Springs Airport, check my bag at the curb. Start, they take my carry-on at the gate and go to put it behind the, uh, uh, in the back because there's a commuter jet to get to Denver. And uh, I'm walking up the ramp. And I'm just getting ready to go in the door of the plane. And this voice says, Mr. Harrison, come back. And I turn on the guys like this. And I couldn't figure out what in the world. Immediately, my mind went to the last time they called me back from the gate. 
It was in Seattle. And I was actually way out the gate and getting ready to board the plane. And they called me not back to the ticket, to the gate area. They said I had to go back to the ticket counter. And I'm thinking, I'm going to miss this plane. Go back out and have to come back into security. And they're already boarding. So I hurry back out and I get out there. And they said, we have a problem with your luggage. And, and, and I'm thinking, what could that be? And just before, and they said, we need to open it and look inside. I said, that's fine. And, before, and they waited. And about a minute later, a policeman comes in standing right next to me. Now I'm getting concerned. Now I'd flown from Hawaii to Seattle. I'm going on my way home. And they say, we have to check. And it turns out that they thought I had a hand grenade in my suitcase. It was a glass pineapple. But anyway, <laughs> so that's my thinking. Oh, so I, go, so I go back. And they say, Mr. Harrison, we have a problem. I said, what's that? They said, our flight's oversold. And we don't know how this happened. But one of the people waiting in the oversold list got on the plane, and they're in your seat. I said, this must be United. No, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I didn't. And, and, they, and, they said, and they said, I said, well, what are you going to do? They said, well, we're going to just go on the flight, and we're going to ask for a volunteer, and we'll, and we'll get you on the plane. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, what are you going to offer the volunteer? They said, it's, oh my goodness, it's flight time. We've got to get this plane out of here. We can't fool around with this. I'm just going to walk on and offer them $1,500 to volunteer. I said, you don't need to ask somebody to volunteer. I'm it. <laughs> but then they ended up, they couldn't get me out that day, so they opted to $2,000. So they paid me $2,000 to go back home, have dinner, and sleep with my wife. That's increase. But I want to share with you today on this why of a great increase story in the Bible. It's found in Luke, the fifth chapter. And Luke, the fifth chapter is one of my favorite stories on increase because it goes from the two extremes and it also happens quickly. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Luke 5 at the beginning, uh, it's a story of some commercial fishermen who did what they regularly do, and they took their boats out to get their catch. But this time when they came back, it didn't say they had a small catch. It said they had nothing. Nothing. And they're getting ready to accept that condition. And they're cleaning their nets in their boat and getting ready to go home. And Jesus comes along. And challenges them to take the boat out again and to try again. Now, I don't have time to teach it to you again, but let me tell you a formula for failure. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, you've been taught that's a formula of success, but that's really a formula for failure. Because Jesus didn't tell them just to take the boats out again. He told them three changes to make and then take the boats out again. See, doing the same old thing and expecting different results is a formula for failure. But he told them to take the boats back out, and they took them out, and they had the greatest catch in history. What an incredible story. But the story does not just share with us increase. It shares with us the why of increase. So let's get to the story and what I want to impart into your lives today. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake. 
And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen got out of them and they were washing their nets. It's not my topic today, but there's a principle of increase here that I at least want to stop for a couple minutes to be sure that you catch. I want you to notice their reaction to the empty nets in the empty boats. They were getting ready to accept the empty nets and the empty boats. They were discouraged, but they were getting ready to say, this is the way it is, and we're going home. Now, I want you to notice Jesus' reaction to the empty boats and the empty nets. He comes and he sees them. He acknowledges what, they have, what their condition is, but then he says, I want you to go back out. Don't accept where you are. I want you to go back out because I want you to have net-breaking boats that can increase. See, Jesus' reaction to their emptiness was, that might be where you are, but it is not where you need to stay. And if you will search the four Gospels, you will find every single time without exception that Jesus came into a situation where they were empty or out of something. He didn't leave until they experienced increase. They were out of wine. He turned the wine into water. They didn't have tax money. He told them where the fish was to get the tax money. They, they, they listened to him teach all day and they had no food. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. They fished all night. They didn't catch anything. He told them how to have net-breaking, boat-sinking increase. Why is this important? Because it reflects how God thinks. See, I can't tell you because you're a Christian or you're word-based or whatever it might be that you're going to come up with a formula that's going to, to eliminate the valleys of life. Sometimes they're going to happen because of mistakes you made. Sometimes they're going to happen because they're out of your control. I, I, there's nothing I could do to keep my wife of 37 years from dying, but I find myself in a valley as a result. And so we're going to have those times in our life. But the key is, how do we get out of those times? We recognize God doesn't want us to stay there. You know, it says, yea, though I pass through the valley, not yea, though I park in the valley. So if you're in a valley today, one of the things that will motivate you to get out of that valley is realize that God has a new life for you. He wants you to have increase. But the key is you've got to keep walking. We had a great speaker at one of our Hawaii events years ago, Bishop Dale Bronner, pastors of church, I don't know, 15,000 people in Atlanta. And he shared the story of a fortune teller, a guy that was at a state fair and he was having a rough time. So he went to a fortune teller. I don't know why, but he did. Anyway, and so the fortune teller looks to the palm of his hand and says, ooh, doesn't look good. You're going to be broke and miserable for the next two years. The guy says, ooh. Well, how about after two years? Oh, you'll still be broke, but you won't be miserable. You'll get used to it. <laughs> See, and if we're not careful, that's what we're doing. We're getting used to where we are when God wants to take us to something better. Yeah. Go for increase. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the story. So, here we go. So he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon. 
And he thrust, asked him to thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, I, I don't have time to get into this today, but I will say this. How you react to something God asks you to do will be based largely upon who's been teaching you and what you've allowed into your ears. Notice he did not first see the circumstances and tell them to go. He didn't tell them to go back out until after he taught them. Who's teaching you? What's going into your ears? And when he finished speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for great increase. And Simon answered and said, Master, we told all night and taken nothing. And nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, so much so that the net began to break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so much so that they began to sink. As I said earlier, this is not just a story about increase. It's a story about the why of increase. And we found out, find out that in verse number seven. What should be the normal instinctive reaction to somebody that's in a boat in danger of sinking? And by the way, let's stop here for a minute. If you want to find out what somebody's really like, be very observant in certain times. Because in certain times, the real them will come out. See, we have this conscious mind that programs what we want people to think we are and how we are. But then we have certain times where what's really down on the inside comes out. And the Bible says, what, you know, as a person thinks in the heart, so are they. And, and one of those, some of those times are fear. Sudden change. And so when somebody gets in a situation of fear or sudden change, observe what they do. So if we look at that, what should these fishermen have done? They should have said, oh my goodness, we got to get to shore. We got to save our lives. That should have been the normal instinctive reaction. Get to shore. Save our lives. We got to get to shore to save the boat. It's in danger of sinking. We got to get to shore to get our money because they have a boat full of fish. That's the only potential increase. They don't get any money unless they get the boat to shore. If the boat sinks with the fish, they're broke. So everything in them should have been, we've got to get to shore. But that isn't what they did. Look what they did in verse 7. What did they do? It didn't say they looked at shore. It didn't say they tried to get the boat in. It said they looked around and found a second boat that was empty they called that boat over, and now two boats are full and not one. And that's the reason God wants you to increase. It is not just to fill up your boat. It's because when your boat gets full, you can be a blessing and help other boats get full. That's what it's all about. See, increased thinkers are not self-focused. When they set their goals in January, they didn't just write down, I want to make more money, I want to do more sales, I want to get a house, I want to go on this vacation, I want to do this. They write down goals of, I want to give here, and I want to make a difference here, and I want to do this missions trip, and I want to be a blessing over here. Because they realize that life isn't just about what they get, it's about what they're involved in and what they give. And when you catch this, it's life-changing. And so my challenge to you is, Take this year and make this a year where you focus on how can I be a blessing 
And how can I make a difference? Start developing a sensitivity of looking around you and listening around you for needs and hurting people where maybe you can make a difference. Get your focus off of just this is for me and think about this is for others. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, when I'm in the Phoenix area and I go there regularly because there's several churches there that I speak at, uh, I, I, there's a store that I love to go to. Uh, sometimes it's a waste and sometimes I do really well. But it's called Last Chance. Uh, if Nordstrom has something they don't sell, where does it go? Nordstrom Rack. If the rack has something that doesn't sell, where does it go? It goes to Phoenix to Last Chance. And I love it because everything comes in 50% off and then they mark it down like 10% a week until it's gone. And sometimes it's a waste of time. Sometimes I get great deals. Like one time I bought a whole bunch of Tommy Bahama shirts for $19 each. I mean, just, you never know what you're going to get. So, so anyway, so, so I go to Last Chance with the pastor and I go down the escalator and this is what I see out in the lobby area. It's table after table of backpacks. And, and uh, some of them are junk brands, but some of them you can see are Nike and Speedo and good backpacks. And I say, wow, with 22 grandkids, I can really be a blessing. You know, they're, they're like $8, $10 each, you know, with the tags on them still $49, $69 on them. I mean, that's a great deal. So I said, I'm going to get them for my grandkids. So I, I start picking out the best ones for my grandkids, put them in the cart. And all of a sudden, this voice says, this isn't just about you. This is about being a blessing. And I realized, what an opportunity. So we get some other carts, and we bought every single backpack on those tables of a name brand and distributed into Christian school kids in Nicaragua and Dominican Republic. See, that's what I'm talking about. But maybe you say, Bob, I don't have that kind of money. All right, give you another example. I'm at the Walmart shopping, Walmart store. Don't go there too often because the line's still haven't speeded up a whole lot. But anyway, and I just had to get something, a couple things. And, and so I tried to pick the shortest line. And this was the shortest line. And this was this lady with these two carts. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. And so I'm thinking that'll be the best line. And what, what I didn't know is, you know, just they're, they're ringing the things, they're ringing the things. And then I said, oh, finally. And then she pulls out food stamps. And she gives the food stamps. And they do the food stamps. And she gives the money that she has. And it's not enough. And so they're starting to pull an item back and put it back. And, and I'm just thinking, I got to get out of here. And I'm starting to get negative a little bit. Why did I pick this line? I thought my steps were directed to the Lord. You know, why am I here? <laughs> and the Lord said, you're here for a reason. You're here to make a difference. So without another thought, I quick reached in, pulled out my credit card, stuck it into the machine, said, lady, today I'm buying your groceries. Save the stamps for next time. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Now, maybe you can't do that. Maybe you could be like Hillary, my, who does our meetings for us. Our office, office headquarters is in Oklahoma. Hillary lives in, I mean, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hillary lives in Oklahoma City, and I live in Palm Springs. I love technology. <laughs> but, but so Hillary came in for a staff meeting from Oklahoma City, and I just felt that day impressed to uh, just help her out. And so I gave her a $50 gas card, you know, just thank you for driving in. And so before she went home, she went and filled up her car and put in $42 of gas. And so she back, walks back into the QT gas thing and, and, and to get her card back with the $8 left on it. And she's waiting for the next lady to get done. 
And this lady's driving an older vehicle, and she could tell she's, you know, looks, looks, doesn't look like, you know, really well-dressed. And, and the lady gives $5 for gas. And Hillary says, oh, my goodness, she's got to be struggling if she only has $5 for gas. And Hillary says, put the $8 on the card on. See, so you might be at a lower level like that. But in some way, if you will focus on being a blessing, the opportunity is out there. But you might say, but Bob, I'm the one that only has the $5 for the gas. I'm the one with the empty boat. I'm telling you how to get a lifestyle going that can change your circumstances. And it's based upon the law of replenishing. And the law of replenishing is a law that God has placed into the universe that we function on. And the law of replenishing says, when you give something, you're going to get that thing back. In the financial arena, it's taught in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. It says, what you sow is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. Say that with me. What you sow is what you reap. So when you sow something, you're going to reap it back. And the law of replenishing says, when I become a giver, I don't lose it because God gives seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. If you have a recipe and you do the right ingredients, but you do the wrong order of the recipe, how many of you know it could be a disaster? See, many people think, God, give me a breakthrough, give me a bonanza, give me an unexpected blessing, and I'll give. And God says, no, you give, and the unexpected blessing's gonna come. He says, I give seed to those that are already sowers. And so I'm talking about a lifestyle here. I believe in one-time giving. I've seen people that have breakthroughs in their life because of one-time gifts that they've done in their lives. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a lifestyle of focusing on making a difference in the lives of other people. It's not going to cause you to have less because what you give, God is going to give back to you. An example of that is in my book, PowerPoints for Increase. And by the way, we have it available back there if you want to get it at the table. It's an incredible book. It's 101 Bible-based success strategies. Every one of them taught in two pages. So in just a few minutes, you can learn a Bible-based success strategy and share how some super achievers use that strategy in their life. Uh, book's $20. If you get the audio download card, all, all 101 stories are four minutes long, professionally done. Uh, we give you the book free. And so the audio card's $37. But anyway, the last chapter of the book is about a guy named Benny Willman. And the book starts off, by the way, every, every uh, story is introduced by an unusual newspaper headline. So it says, Blind Man Rob's Bank Can't Find Way Out. <laughs> and uh, off that, we teach something. Uh, the headline in this one, Man Gives 30 Gallons of Blood. According to the Red Cross, during his lifetime, an Oklahoma man has given over 30 gallons of blood. Wanting to do something to help his fellow man, Benny Willman came up with the idea of donating his blood. Since blood can be donated only one pint at a time, over the years, he's made over 250 visits to the blood bank. 
Let's go with Benny for just a moment. He goes into the blood bank. They put him in a nice lazy boy chair. They come over and they put an IV in his arm. He can look at the tube and blood is coming out of his arm. When they fill up the bottle, they say thank you. He walked into that blood bank with five pints of blood. He walks out of that blood bank with four. Now logical thinking would say he loved people so much and wanted to make a difference. He's willing to give up 20% of his blood in order to make a difference. And that would be good, except that's not what happens. Because within 48 hours, he has five pints of blood again. It replenished. And he can go back to the bank again, and they can take out another pint. And within 48 hours, he's got it back again. And then he can go back again, and within 48 hours, he's got it back again. And then he can go do it again, within 48 hours, he's got it back again. See, and that's what happens with your finances. When you make a decision to become a giver, it's not a call to have less. It's a call to get into a law where God's going to keep replenishing it so you have abundance, but you're also making a difference. But God doesn't just give it back. He multiplies it. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. I've been involved in, over the years of my ministry with leaders of some incredible breakthroughs and some incredible stories. I think of one young man right here in Orange County making $30,000 a year in today's money. Got an idea. And I was with him in Washington, D.C. when we negotiated. And he sold that. I had to pay for the plane ticket to get there, the two of us to get there. That's how tight it, how bad it was. And, and I was there in the room when he sold that idea and personally made in one day $7 million. But I'll tell you something most people don't know. That man was a giver. When their back was against the wall and living in Mission Viejo and they didn't have enough money to make it and they were losing about 10% a month because the refrigerator would break, the washer and dryer would break, they had car repairs and they had a conversation. They said, if we just cut back on the 10% until we get through this tough time, then we can make it. And that's what they were thinking of doing. And they woke up the next morning and said, no, we're going to break this thing. We're going to believe God's word. And they went from 10% to 20%. And I was with them when they got $7 million. It's no accident. See, I'm talking about changing. Not just in church, but out in the marketplace. Let's make a difference. Let's be the light that God has called us to be. And let's show what we do. When my daughter was, was going to Bible school and, 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 and she was part-time doing a waitress job and, and they had it said she never had to work on Sunday, but one time she had to work on Sunday. And I said, oh, Sandy, you should be excited. Sunday's the biggest day of the week for the restaurant. Your tips are going to be great. She said, Dad, no. She says, that's the day the church crowd comes and they're the worst tippers. That shouldn't be what we're known by. We should be known by our generosity. We should be known by making a difference because we believe that God is going to replenish and out of that, we can be a light in the world and make a difference. That's what I'm calling you to do today. And if you're willing to do it, I believe this year, this year is going to be a breakthrough year for you. How many of you are willing to do that? Be a blessing greater than before. All right, let's say this together. Father, I come to you today. I thank you for your word. Lord, your word clearly shows 
you want me to experience increase. And Lord, I make a decision. This is not just about me, but my increase is about being a blessing. And so I thank you now, and I praise you for the unexpected increase that's coming my way. Now thank you for that increase. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. Glory to you. Turn to church, make your hand. You say, I'm believing for increase. I'm believing for increase. I'm believing for increase, George. Yes, increase. Uh, let me just mention to you before I wrap up that uh, we, have our, we have some resources out at the table. I, I'm not here to take anything from you. Uh, I, I'm seeding today into your lives. If you've given an offering or whatever you do, that goes to our ministry. It doesn't go to me. But, but I, I, we have resources there that could change your life. When, when I'm around these leaders that, that have had these kind of great stories, some of what I've shared with you, one thing in common of every one of them, they made an investment and drove around with me. And they listen to more of this kind of teaching. So if you're interested in, in getting more increased material and you haven't done it before, uh, I'd recommend our School of Increase. It's six different seminars we have on the subject of increase. Defensive mindset, abundance thinking mindset, uh, flourishing in life's desert seasons, time increase, how to get rid of time wasters, strategies for increase, and breaking free from the bondage of debt. And uh, this sells on our website for $5.95. We have it available for half price. We're giving away free deals, 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 how to save money and everything you buy. And you can get it for uh, uh, payments, three payments of $88. And so we do take these of Charge, American Express, cash, check, and airline first class upgrades. And I want to give this to you. I think this will be a blessing to you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate you. God bless you, man. And if you only get one series, get our series on, multi on multiplication. That's the one I'm teaching you on today. It's available back there at a discount and uh, make that available. I want to share this one last story with you. The Bible only talks about two boats. But see, I believe there are actually more than two boats there, but it only talked about two boats because the story's about two. Because what was the purpose of them going fishing? They were commercial fishermen to get food for a city. Two boats can't feed a city. So I believe there had to be many boats that go out, fish all night, and come back to, for the people to come and get fish in the market first thing in the morning. So. If that was the case, then that would mean Jesus is walking by the shoreline and there's many boats there. But he's going to this boat, which means he had to walk by other boats to get to that boat. What, what would cause him to pick a boat? Does he pick the red boat? Uh, I mean, how do you decide what boat if you're only going to go to one boat? I think I know the answer because he had discernment. He walks by this boat. He said, well, let's explain it this way. Remember I shared with you, if you want to know what somebody's really like, watch how they react in times of fear, in times of stress, in times of sudden change. And what was their reaction then when they were under those? To try and share. If that's how they reacted then, that meant that it was their regular habit pattern because your instinctive reactions reveal to you your regular thought patterns and your regular habit patterns, which means prior to that event, they were already giving oriented. So now Jesus is walking by. He said, that's the boat of a taker. That's the boat of a self-centered person. That's the boat of a taker. Oh, 
there's the boat of a giver. That's the boat I want to bless because they'll make a difference in somebody else's life. And when you become a giver, God is going to walk by other businesses and other homes and he's going to say, that's the one I want to bless because they're going to make a difference. God bless you. It's been great baby.